uncover the transformative power of healthcare as we delve into the challenges, pivotal doctor-patient relationships, quality care, and the profound impact of passion and love. Join us on a captivating journey to reshape healthcare and enhance patient experience. Healthcare entrepreneurs, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating a positive social impact? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. I'm a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Let's open the gateway to profitability for you today. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and startup founders like you break through barriers so you can control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Welcome back for another episode. This is your host, Sabrina Rombach. And today we have Dr. Carl uh, Lavarada here with us. He's a, a dentist graduated from Georgetown University School of Dentistry back in 1987. Oh, wow. That's the year I was born. And he has been practicing general dentistry in Smithtown, New York since 1988. And he's also the director of Clear Fusion orthodontic uh, appliances as well in the senior advisor and dental director um, at Phoenix Capital Advisory, where he reviews the healthcare innovations. We know um, healthcare going at the speed of healthcare, but technology and innovations are much faster. And how do we adapt, assess the best ways to really improve all of our work as practitioners, our patients. And that's why we have this show to really celebrate and give the wins that so deserve and learn from each other and how to best serve ourselves, our team and our patients going forward. Thanks Dr. Carl for being here. My pleasure, Sabrina. I uh, believe we connected a little bit a uh, while back and uh, talking about your work and uh, wanted to for you to share this journey that you had. So what was the, some of the initial uh, passion or thoughts that drove you into uh, dentistry? I came into the world to want to serve others. Dentistry, I guess, turned out to be uh, just something that came about my heart just drove me to that for some reason. Now I see why, obviously, but uh, you never know why when it's actually happening. But it was probably predestined before I even went into my mo- my mom's womb. How, how's that? <laughs> so you're saying since it's destined and now you know why. So what's the most strong connection that you felt now that you're in it for so many years that you've been doing uh, various leadership position plus running evaluating innovations how does that all come together well again my main thing is really being a dentist uh caring for others everything else is an offshoot of it but caring for others is uh probably the most important thing and the thing i do best Anything else I've ever done, nothing comes close to that. Other than I would say my family, naturally. I care about them too as much. But uh, my patients are also my family. 
you know what? A success is personal happiness, professional happiness, and financial security altogether. Uh, dentistry dentistry brought, brought me all that. And uh, the professional happiness part is, is big. You know, I, I live in Florida. I still, I fly to New York every week to work three days, three hard days. And why do I do that? Why would I go out of my way for that? And I could probably just retire because I, I love what I do. And my patients would be upset if I just left. So I stick around. I do it. Being the best takes a, takes a lot. It's not just uh, saying it. It's taking a lot of uh, continuing education over the years. You know, being a, a dentist where people actually have to open their mouth and we work there. Uh, it involves a high level of trust, you know, so they, my patients actually enjoy coming in, you know, they have a good time. I know how to joke with everybody. I'm not one of those woke practices that of today, maybe, but I, I have fun with everybody. Uh, and yet I could do, I could probably be one of the best there is at the work. And as much as we, you were talking before about technology, Technology is good and bad. Uh, some of the technological in, uh, innovations are great, but uh, there's nothing like knowing what you're doing uh, and being able to share it with with your patients. You know, and that's what uh, I get the ha- you know I'm the happiest I could be. And by the way, every every day I'm working, I do some charity every day for people that can't afford it. So I'll do it. I do it every day. Uh, all my life, I've done it every day. And I, I, I give back. And why? Because I could. It's that simple. Uh, everything else doesn't matter if you don't give back a little. Uh, and I give back a lot. I, I enjoy it. So I have a great time as being a dentist. So that's why I'm a dentist. Yeah, I think what you said was very crucial on the human part because we got into medicine. Most of us understand at the end of the day, it's a service type of business. It's about building those human to human connection for our patients to trust us enough. So when we do give them and offer them some type of treatment option, they will be able to say yes instead of worry about what's going to happen, whether that's... um after procedure, um, pain, complications versus the decision they have to just simply being in the office, not able to uh, take off work for some other people, right? And uh, at the end of the day, it's about having that relationship and you use humor. I believe some of the studies saying humor is the best way to connect with people because it breaks down the barrier of someone who just as an authority figure and telling them what to do, but really truly be there for them understanding this uh, circumstances. But of course, nowadays has been more difficult in practicing altogether because it seems like um, some practices or people are just overworked in general. So they are so tactical focused on just doing the job instead of uh, how to connect with the patient to have that customer service journey, right? That uh, relationships part uh, instead of just focusing on what are you here for? Let's solve it. 
and move on. And do you see that as some of the challenges that you see from both your practice or your colleagues? I agree with everything that you were saying. I think the biggest challenge in medicine in general today and uh, is that we're losing focus on what, what matters. Now, it used to be always people were taught at school. Your education, you know, you were wiped out. I mean, my, my education was uh, seven days a week, 20, you know, 20 hours a day for four years, all right? The education is down. The curriculum's uh, nothing like it was. People are coming out of school uh, heavily in debt because the price of that education went skyrocketing since guaranteed student loans took off. And the young people coming out of school used to buy the old timers out. They can't anymore. And uh, corporations are buying up all medical and dental practices and veterinary practices. And uh, the business model is changing to an insurance-based model that uh, lets insurance companies dictate what's done on, on a patient rather than the doctor-patient relationship where the doctor uh, examines the patient, sees what they need, want, and accomplishes that. Things have changed. And, uh, you know, when you go to your doctor, if you're sick, you call, they'll tell you to come in in three months. And you just look, and people are just going to walk-in clinics every day now. You know, the, the personal touch is gone, or it's going. And it's, it's a shame. But that's, uh, you know, so all the technology in the world doesn't matter. Everything like that doesn't matter. What matters should be doctor-patient, you know, relationship, care. And that's what we're, you know... Does everyone say they do that? Of course. Do they? No. Uh, things have changed a lot in that respect. And I wish uh, I wish it didn't. If I had my one wish, it would be back to the way it's supposed to be. But as far as I'm concerned, I do. I, I won't uh, sell out to one of those DSOs, any of those corporations. I won't do that. Carl believes that the biggest challenge in medicine today is the loss of focus on what truly matters. He observes that the quality of education has declined, with students graduating heavily in debt due to the skyrocketing tuition fees. Additionally, corporations are buying up medical and dental practices, shifting the business model to an insurance-based system that compromises the doctor-patient relationship. He also emphasized the diminishing personal touch in healthcare, as patients are often redirected to wait for months or seek care at walk-in clinics. Despite these challenges, he remains committed to preserving the doctor-patient relationship and is currently mentoring a young individual to uphold the value he holds dear in providing quality care. A quick announcement before we move forward. If you are a healthcare entrepreneur or startup founder looking to accelerate your social mission and increase profitability in a comprehensive yet easily adapted way, don't hesitate to reach out to me 
Sabrina Rombach on LinkedIn. Let's connect and discuss how we can take your business to the next level. Now let's get back to the rest of our show. In fact, I'm in the process of mentoring a young guy to hopefully I could make him into what I was, you know, who I am. Uh, that that's the most important thing. Right. It's passing down the baton. How can we do it in our way to best serve our community without having to feel um, somewhat of a security blanket of being with a large organization? Um, because there are multifaceted in running a practice. It's not just seeing patient anymore. It's about that continuous follow up, patient coordination and um, um, figuring out what else uh, with their social determinant issue that's preventing them from taking uh, on the advices. And also how can we make sure they continue to come back to the office when they need to instead of, oh yeah, I need to do that, but life get into the way and something completely shift their mind, shift their um, priority, and they forget about their health altogether. And definitely we are seeing a number of private practice going down year after year. And it's about how do we grow in our own entity? And sometimes, yes, it's about mentoring the next generation and then other colleagues that can take on. Other is about um, leveraging the right technology. Not all things help us, right? Like just because with uh, EHR system, it simply is a documentation and ordering. It's not for patient engagement per se. Yes, we can use some of the data to re-stratify to kind of understand the pattern, but it still need to be more optimized way to engage and reduce the workload that we have and among our uh, our staff so they can actually pay attention to what the patient needs. Um, so that uh, Definitely from what you mentioned, educational side, from how we run things, how we believe, what could we do, right? Like we are actually having more control than we think we do. And if we uh, continue to now allow our environment to dictate us, but we work with the best resources and make the system work for us. That's the shift that we can do on the daily basis. And sometimes it can be a very small shift, but at least that shift can continue to help us going forward. So what are some other things as you go through all these years of running your practice and having uh, really being a nonprofit, right? And I think that's the idea I have heard other physicians do is they create their own nonprofit. So when patient couldn't pay, and then they're able to still see these underserved patients um, and people who has a uh, low access to care. And then um, what are you seeing on something really worked well with your own practice? Well, like I told you, I always do a little uh, charity every day. I will tell you that the dental practice in general, in fact, before I say it, why don't I ask you the question, what do you think my overhead is? Well, Just for give me, a, give me a percentage of what, uh, what I bill, what I bring in, and what, what do I actually profit? What's right. my net profit on anything I do? Do you would you have an idea? Um, I'm not so sure about dentistry, but I'm hoping that you are having at least 40% net profit. 
not even close. It's like about 75% uh, overhead. It's about 25, maybe 28% net profit. Uh, that probably, uh, and especially uh, since COVID, everything went up drastically. I didn't even raise my price. I'm probably at close to 20% profit right now. However, if you do real well, you know, the 20-something percent profit is still profitable if you do real well. And the biggest overhead, by the way, in the dental office is really your staff, your, your salaries. Uh, and you got to take care of your staff. Very important. But I, I never really, I'll tell you the truth. When I walk into my practice, some people, you know, a lot of continuing education does have to do with running a practice. You know, or you, you know, reduce your overhead, do this, do that. You want to know something I never do. I never did. I don't even think what I do is a dentist. I pray every morning before I start work. Ask God to, you know, guide my hands, my, my eyes, my brain. And I do what I have to do and just have fun doing it without even thinking. Same thing with running my practice. I could probably run it better, whatever. Do, do all these little points to, you know, bring out the better. but really doesn't phase me one way or the other that lack of a, a strong net profit doesn't prevent me from doing something if uh, I see someone needs something that they can't afford. I mean, I used to, you know, a few years back, we had like one homeless guy in my neighborhood. I'd have my friends go pick the guy up and bring him to my office and I made him teeth. He had no teeth. He couldn't eat. And, you know, after we, after I finished and uh, made him the teeth, we went out to White Castle to celebrate, you know, the, the New York thing to do. When that man was, uh, when it was like zero degree nights, which not too often in Long Island would you have zero minus five degree nights. But when that happened, my son would come in the car with me, would go pick, would find him, would drive around until I found him. And I'd take him to a hotel room for how many nights needed until that cold would break so he wouldn't freeze to death during the night. I mean... That's, uh, you know, to me, that's more important than all the money in the world. So I never think. And, you know, the law of karma states that if uh, whatever you give without thought, more comes to you all the time. And I learned that early in life, I guess, from my dad. So I don't think about profit, loss, uh, net, this and that. It, it is a high overhead of the dentist's office, but I'm always blessed. So it really, I never think about it. Uh, and I think that the all-time practitioners didn't either, for the most part, from what I remember. I think today, you know, especially with the higher price of everything, everything's gone up. Uh, I do think people think about it too much. But the uh, a profession where you're to serve, you know, it's hard to do two things. Do you want to serve your pocket or do you want to serve the people? And it's hard to really uh, you know, do it. Uh, if you're doing something very valuable, in service, you're going to get paid. And if you're going to get paid, you're going to do well, which I do. And I'm not saying I don't, I just don't think about it. You know, I'm, I'm blessed not to have to think about it. Right. And I think that's the key thing is if we keep the positive mindset of I continue to do good, I'm also attracting good. I'm doing the things what I need to do. And therefore, the word of positivity, the, the sense of who we are, that's how we continue to keep the door open, to have people continue to want to come back because they know the level and the quality 
that they are able to receive. And that's what they want. Their family and friends all have the same high quality experience. I want to just say quality comes from one education and two continuing education. Patients sense if you have it or not. They sense it. They know it. Uh, and, And quality is important. Right. And the quality is not just us as providers, but also trickled down to our entire team. And I have a personal experience where I can gone to one of my doctor's office, like him a lot, but the front desk girls and the checkout girls were, you just sense the bad attitude, never gone back before. And you hear the same story over and over again. So we know it's not just us, but it's a whole office, a whole team base. And that's why uh, our staff overhead is so high. And it's because we wanted to keep the good people. We want to continue to train them. And then something that I continue to train uh, practices and uh, healthcare organization is on how are we understand individual drive how it's not all about external motivation right oh the bonuses the autonomy and the xyz that's only short-lived and if people continuously driven by the title the bonuses they actually just once they hit that goal there they kind of plateau instead of understanding how they want naturally be appreciated, what they see their career go, how they see the value of aligning with the whole culture. That's the most important thing. And you wouldn't be able to know that until you actually have deeper conversation with your staff. And actually, uh, when they become honest with their challenges, you know how to respond to them uh, and not seeing it just a business transaction. Would you see? You, you know what I'm thinking, Sabrina? Took me a while to uh, realize, you know, why you really, you know, I just realized this whole podcast thing is nonsense. That you faked it just to really get an interview with me. All right, I'll consider hiring you. You have to move first to Long Island. But if you really want, I'll consider hiring you. (laughs) Is that what this was about? No. All right, you got the job. (laughs) You you want to help run an office? Is that what you wanted? No, no, no. Like my, my oh, actually. This is real? This podcast is real? My podcast is real. We have 130 something episodes. I have um more episodes to publish all the way into June of next year now. You know, you know my, um, my wife says, I said to her, I'm going on a podcast. She goes, you don't even know what a podcast is. I said, I know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's pretty much online radio. I thought you set me up that you're trying to get a job from me or something. Right. <laughs> um, so it is online radio that people can actually listen to it um, for various period of time because it become evergreen. When people subscribe, they search for it and they understand how a, someone like you who has been in the field for so long have perhaps a similar perspective and then help them to validate their concern, help to uh, also align with, okay, I am doing the right way, right? I don't have to buy into the larger organization and I can find the right help, the right people when it's needed. And then of course, I'm always in a position of doesn't matter if I can help or people I connected can help. We're all just learning 
and growing together collaboratively. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually don't run people's practices. Um, right. I, I only come in as like consultants if people need it from the productivity standpoint and patient engagement standpoint, because I see um, I got burned out early on in my career, uh, working 80 hour days, don't say no to any patients, add them on right away for surgeries or uh, consultation. But then after a while, when you start changing the whole staff, changing the dynamic, and we know the restriction. And so instead of thinking about how um, the system never worked for us, we start creating the system that worked for ourselves. You know, when you were saying how you went to that medical practice and they weren't that nice to you at the front desk, I mean, two different oral surgery practices near me. One, that one staff are totally uh, incompetent to say the least. But then there's also one down the block for me and I like them too. I like both. And I walked in uh, maybe about a year and a half ago. Just I ran from my office just down the block. I had to to pick something up. And uh, the girl yelled at me at the front desk to put my mask on. But if I had my mask on, I couldn't tell her what I was, who I was and what I was there to pick up. And she yelled at me and I just left. I called my friend up, the doctor there. I said, you know, your, your front desk girl yelled at me for not wearing a mask. And, he, and he, he probably went over there and, you know, when she realized who I was, you saw her face like turn, you know, blank. I give them so much work. That's the last thing that it want one of his staff members to do to me, but uh, there's a lot of attitude today. Uh, you know, COVID kind of scared a lot of people off. We can't, I can't even, uh, for the first time in my life uh, as a dentist, I've had a hard time uh, hiring somebody. I think I finally did. But really what happened is a hygienist of mine for 28 years about that I I sort of helped raise her at 50 years old. She came down with a very bad cancer. And uh, I, I do think, you know, she came yesterday over to my office. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping she's going to be okay, but a very devastating uh, form that she has. And while they got the surgery and actually got it out, it's one of those that uh, it's, it's a dangerous one. And I, for the last, uh, I would say since September, when, when we found out really the diagnosis, uh, she told me I had to find someone permanent. And no one even, you know, you, you put the Indeed ads, they send you the resume, they don't even answer the phone. No one even wants to work. And it's not me alone. I've, I've called up other, no one could find workers anymore that want to work. COVID kind of ruined a lot of stuff unnecessarily too but you're so right across every single specialty uh people's been telling me that in medicine it was bad and it 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 actually we talk about that doctor patient relationship and you know not for me it didn't but for everyone else it did i even flew in every week during the lockdown i flew in every week i was like one of three people on a commercial plane I thought I was the president walking around and having fun, but I, I flew in every week in case my patients had an emergency. I wasn't allowed to do regular work, but I still wanted to be there if my patients needed me. I wasn't letting them go to a hospital or something. 
Uh, and you know what? Uh, they definitely overinflated it. I know it was I know it was a bad virus, but uh, I got my theories on how it happened. But I also have theories about uh, you know maybe one of the side notes of something that I instill in a patient uh, or friends or anyone that I know is if I if I were to say to you what's the if if God is unconditional love. I'll ask you, what is the opposite of that love? Everything is a value exchange? No, no. What's the opposite of that godly, unconditional love? What is the opposite? It's used every day. On Smart people try to use it on others every day. The negative side of it. What is it? Fear. Yes. Fear. And can't live on fear, but people do. And it was a great thing for government to instill fear on everybody and everyone's instilling fear on each other. It's the worst thing you could do. It's the worst thing you could do. And uh, it's used in politics every day. Vote for me. Don't. They're going to have you lose your social security benefits. All the old people get scared. Oh, if I vote for this one, he's going to take away my benefits. You know, things like that all the time occur. It's used in religions. You know, it's used in marketing every day. It's used in everything. But when people come into my office, there's no fear. Even the worst thing I could fix, no matter what, there's nothing to be afraid of. Can't fear anything. Uh, and that virus that brought out fear in everybody. And it, it's the wrong thing. When I was a dent, when I was going to dental school, you know what the fear was? HIV, AIDS. And they asked, Do you still want to go to dental school? We just isolated the virus in people's saliva. And, you know, they didn't know whether it was infected that way. And that's and that was the advent of the gloves, masks, glasses, you know, safety glasses. That was the advent of it was HIV because we didn't dentists didn't know if you're going to get it just by working on someone's mouth. Uh, turned out not to be. But and I I said, I'm going to be a dentist. I didn't care. Wasn't going to let the fear ruin, ruin it for my myself, my soul. Of what I came to do. So uh, fear is the worst thing. Same thing happened with COVID recently. They put a lot of fear out there. You know, how did most people, do you know, most people died from that? Really putting them on, on those uh, ventilators. That's what killed most of the people. If they didn't do that, most of the people would have stayed alive. Uh, but if you're about to go on a ventilator, you, you can't breathe good. You're going on a ventilator. They're ready to do that. And everyone's in a hazmat suit. You, what is your first thought to yourself? I'm going to die. And sure enough, you could put that into your head and, and think that that's it. Fear is a destructive force that pervades society, fueled by government, interpersonal interactions, politics, religions, and marketing. 
However, within the realms of Dr. Carl's dental office, fear has no place. Even in the face of the most challenging dental issues, there is no room for fear. Dr. Carl emphasizes that fear should never dictate our decision or hinder us from pursuing our passions. He recalls how fear once surrounded HIV and AIDS during his dental school years, but remained resolute in his choice to become a dentist. Similarly, he highlights the detrimental impact of fear during the recent COVID-19 pandemic, particularly concerning the use of ventilator. Dr. Carl emphasizes the importance of not succumbing to fear as it can negatively influence our thoughts and beliefs. Don't miss out an episode. Subscribe to our podcast today on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest insight and action tips from our experts. Together, let's rewrite the rules for your business and create a positive social impact in the healthcare industry. Now let's get back to the rest of our show. And you might even cause your body to do that. Right. They, would, they, they refused to give steroids that would bring the inflammation right down and have people breathe again. They refused. Now they know you can do it. And it, it, the big joke of it, uh, that they were saying you can't do that. It, it's all about fear-mongering and all. But fear is no good in anything. And it's used by people all the time. And I don't like when someone tries to, you know, put that on me. I, I don't let them. But I do see it. Uh, scare a lot of people. Right. And I think what I uh, come out of that point is that we have to think about how can we love more? How can we love what we do? How can we love the uh, staff that we involve with? How can we support them and love what they are going through? And also just give the love back to the patients who have various struggles. We will never know how they got through it, and uh, but we can be there to support you, them you, when they come. You asked, to- you asked how. The answer is if you remember who you are, if you remember where you came from, and you remember everyone is related to you because we're all one family, you start to real, you know, then you could love better. Right. You know, but you have to block out everything that anyone else says and just remember who you really are. Right. True. Meditation every yeah. morning. Believing in values. Yep. Um, definitely that's uh some amazing. Tips. Thank you for sharing these and uh, um, going around from the changes, a little bit of history uh, of medicine. If you change your mind and want a job, let me know. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for sharing your story and uh, the challenges of we have, how we are changing medicine and how we're just being a human at the end of the day. Uh, and uh, don't overcomplicate things and simply thinking everybody... Are, else around us, just another human like us. We all have our own struggles, but we're all here to contribute something different. And that's all we can do as the individual practitioners, healthcare workers, and then just uh, a technically a friendly neighbor when you're seeing those who come into your uh, office. So appreciate you. And then until next time, everyone. Take care, Sabrina. Nice talking. This 
episode, we delved into the key factors that drove healthcare transformation. From the profound impact of the doctor-patient relationship to the importance of leveraging your passion for serving others and exploring how to create patient-centered approach. Thanks for joining us to navigate the challenges faced by the healthcare industry, emphasize the significance of quality care, and uncover the power of individual motivation and engagement. Together, we can cultivate a culture of empathy, overcome fear, and revolutionize healthcare for a betterment of all. A quick summary. We discussed today passion for serving others, which is the driving force behind exceptional healthcare services. Number two, the importance of doctor-patient relationship, where we nurture the trust and support throughout the healthcare journey. Number three, challenges in the healthcare industry, hiring and retaining staff amidst the most important challenge, especially during the recent years throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Number four, importance of quality and patient experience, which means delivering high quality care by eliminating fear and providing support in all aspects. Number five, understanding individual motivation and engagement, going beyond external factors to foster meaningful engagement. Number six, overcoming fear and cultivating love, transforming personal growth and interactions through love and meditation. Thank you for listening. Remember, the positive change we're seeking starts right here with me and you. If you're a fan of the show or if you are just having struggles or success that you're either experienced in the past or are experiencing now in the healthcare industry, these matter to all of us. I want to hear from you. Visit sabrinarombach.com forward slash connect and send me a direct message. Talk soon.